Well, hi, everybody. It's Kim Winter, CEO of Logistics Executive Group. It's my great pleasure to host another uh, session talking to some of the, uh, the great business leaders around our world, in particular supply chain and logistics. Today, I'm uh, absolutely uh, delighted to, to welcome Hussain Webby. Uh, Hussain is uh, currently the CEO of the leading last mile company here and a lot more in the Middle East, Fetcher. He's previously been the UPS uh, Managing Director for the Middle East, um, an advisor or the advisor to the Prime Minister's office in the UAE government here, which is uh, which is uh, an awesome uh, role, I'm sure, that we'll get to talk about, Hussain. And prior to that, the uh, with 16 or 17 years with another iconic company here in the Middle East, uh, Aramex, you're the regional director for the Gulf region. Welcome, Hussain Webby. Thank you, Kim. Thank you very much for your time and for this great uh, Coffee, coffee virtual session. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. Uh, and, and Hussein, you uh, probably amongst uh, others have been one of the iconic uh, uh, executives and leaders right across uh, the Middle East uh, for, for many years. And uh, it's remarkable that you still look so young because I think you've covered about 100 years worth of senior executive management in your time. And of course, we've met many years ago uh, as uh, Dubai in itself was was really coming to the fore as a major logistics hub from 20 years or so ago here. So I'd really like to start off uh, on the personal journey for you. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing, where you came from, uh, what your early years were like, and what influences you had around you as you were growing up. Yeah, I think I have an interesting story, but before that, you were talking about I look younger. Let me tell you something. The real damage is internal. <laughs> and, the, and the blood pressure and everything. Don't be fooled by the external uh, <laughs> young appearance. No, uh, this is a very challenging industry. It's a beautiful industry with all the stress, with all the challenges. It keeps you alive. It keeps you full of energy. Uh, my my uh, journey started uh, back in 2001. I was then, I graduated from college, from business administration. I joined a great company, which was Aramex in Lebanon directly after my graduation. So I didn't really have time to take a break or search for a job. Uh, the job was there really waiting for me. And it was a great learning curve. I started in Lebanon and then I came to Dubai. I grew with the company. I learned a lot. I gained most of my experience in, in, in Aramex. Uh, I've had great friends, great uh, exposure to the whole region. And then after that, uh, I had another perfect opportunity, which is to go and work with the UAE government. Going from the private sector to the public sector wasn't something that I ever imagined. But when this opportunity knocked my door, uh, I couldn't really refuse it. And I can tell you, it was one of the best steps I've ever done in my life. Uh, joining the Prime Minister's office was a big pride for me. For me, it wasn't really a job. It was much more of, I, as I always say, it's a paid contribution. Because when you work for a country, it makes a big difference rather than working for a company. So the, uh, the, the time spent there have taught me a lot. I've learned a lot, contributed a lot. Uh, it gave me the knowledge of the private sector, of the public sector, of the government, uh, 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 the perception of how governments see the private sector. Uh, the performance there is completely different than the private sector because every day you come to work full of energy, full of passion to give back full of passion to serve those, let's say, 9 or 10 million people 
in the country. Even if your contribution was 0.001%, but you end up your day by thinking, wow, I did an achievement. I did something that can affect millions and millions of people. And, and just, uh, just on that, uh, Hussein, sorry, but I just wanted to drill down on that because uh, insight into the UAE, UAE government is is not necessarily out there every day to, to see what's happening in the dynamics. The, the leadership in the UAE, and I've been in and out of the region over the last 20-odd years, um, has been identified as being very innovative, wanting to lead, especially in uh, technology and in innovation in being first. I mean, I think UAE holds something like 40 or 50 Guinness Book of Records, records about different things of being the first and the biggest and the best. What drives that desire for, for the, the government to be so on the front foot on so many issues? Look, uh, the first thing I noticed there, Kim, is there's a vision. When there's a vision, the, everything else happens. There's a great vision by the leadership of, of this country and everybody uh, in the government works towards achieving that vision. You have a vision, you have a proper mission, and of course, the leadership uh, is, is exceptional. And there was always one thing that everybody used to look into, which is we want to be the number one in everything we do. And this is where His Highness Muhammad always used to say that he wants the UAE to be the number one in everything it does. And this is what keeps you busy around the clock in whatever you're doing. I can tell you in every government function, you will see that direction, you will see that when you will see that passion by all the employees and all the people who work there, because there is one unified direction, which is to be the best in everything, everything they do. And by the way, technology and innovation has been always there. Never think when I was working there that I've ever felt I'm working in, in the traditional public sector at all. Our talks, I was an advisor there and I had nothing to do with uh, logistics, by the way, zero. I had more to do with bringing the best practices from the private sector to the public sector, sharing those best practices, talking about technology, improving government services, developing government services through tech, uh, uh, through some traditional ways by merging between tech and, and the basic uh, uh, strategies you can reach the perfection that's required. So yes, in principle, innovation, creativity, and of course, the most important thing is the passion to deliver to the country. This is what we really enjoyed there. And I've, I maybe I came back to the private sector, but I can tell you, I'm still in the middle of the bridge. Part of my heart is, is public and the other part of my heart is private. So this is where I will stay forever. Was, uh, let's, that's great insight, and thanks for sharing that. Um, you, you've always been, you've always had a very strong media profile in the Middle East, certainly the last couple of decades on your journey. Um, you've done a great job in, in getting new ideas out. I, I would say, you, you know, I would call you a change maker and a change driver. Uh, you've never been afraid to speak out and, and say your piece, uh, even when it means uh, not necessarily going with the flow and uh, speaking out in terms of new ideas and, and taking opportunities. Um, you moved on from, uh, after 16, 17 years with Aramex, so you were at the Prime Minister's office, as we said. Uh, then you went to UPS for a while, and now you're with Fetcher. And Fetcher has been one of the, 
high-profile companies here, specifically in the last uh, the last mile space. Tell us a little bit about the Fetcher journey and where things are at now, because again, Fetcher is uh, pretty regularly in the news around the, the Middle East. Indeed, Kim. Um, many people ask me what brought you to Fetcher uh, when you were really working with for the big corporates. You know, the big corporates, uh, it's a different story. Uh, you're, you're working there, cash-rich companies, companies that are very much set up uh, traditionally, they've been performing always, uh, and they have all the tools. Uh, then the question is going from the corporate world or the big corporate world into the smaller uh, part of it, which is uh, a company like Fetcher, which is a small company compared to the big ones. However, I've seen a lot of different things compared to the big companies. I've seen the agility, I've seen the resilience, I've seen the potential in this company that really made me say, you know what, yes, I'm going to leave those multi-million dollars, multi-million or multi-billion dollar companies and go to a company like Fetcher where the potential is unlimited and where the industry today needs companies like Fetcher to come up, grow, step into the industry, fix the gaps that are there, and of course, capitalize on the strengths that it has, which is the technology, it's great people, and the concept of, of, of the business of Fetcher. So what I've seen in Fetcher when I moved here is, number one, the, te- the technology is incredible. It fixes a lot of gaps in the industry today. I've seen a team who has been there for a while and extremely resilient because the time I, I joined Fetcher and it's it's there, of course, in, in all these press releases, uh, Fetcher was having difficulties and challenges. And uh, those challenges never affected the team. They never affected the morale of the team. They never affected uh, uh, the turnaround and the transformation mission that we came to this company to do. So uh, I can tell you, uh, moving to Fetcher was a great step for me. It's a great turning curve. I've learned and seen things I've never seen in my 20 years of experience in the big companies. And it's a lesson in resilience, persistence, and of course, uh, the modern type of logistics, the modern type of shipping, the modern type of last mile. Because when you talk about technology here, technology is coming to enable this industry and take it from the primitive era into really the modern and advanced 2.0 version of the logistics and supply chain industry. Awesome. Well, thank, thanks for that insight, uh, Hussain. I, you know, if, if nothing, you're... Your, your background has been, your journey has been so varied and uh, I think it's very exciting now where you are and, and applying what you've learned into uh, what, what until recent times has been a really explosive startup organisation. So uh, we wish you well with that. Uh, let's, let's just pan back a little bit and, and touch base with you around uh, what you're seeing happening in the, in the broader supply chain um, the last 12 months, we've seen a lot of disruption, of course. We've seen a lot of opportunity around e-commerce. Uh, a lot of traditional companies have been caught short by not being in the e-commerce space where they possibly needed to be. Um, we've talked about digitization. You just mentioned a little bit about technology there and its influence in the market. What do you see moving forward over the next 12 months as being the key issues for not only just companies like Fetcher, but across the broader supply chain, what do you see as being those major influencing factors that leaders need to be taking into account or getting on the front of the wave or on the front foot with? You've just said it, Kim. I think the most important thing here is the leadership of all these companies should step down to the field. Today, 
it's a different world. Today, uh, the industry itself is passing through a major, major disruption. I can tell you that everything before COVID-19 in our industry is different today. You, all the strategies should be changed. All the directions and mindsets should be changed. I see uh, an incredible boom in the e-commerce. The e-commerce growth and the way it's happening today, it was supposed to happen across maybe three or four years ahead of us. But uh, the COVID-19 accelerated this by maybe 10 times and it took us three years ahead. To be able to cope with this, which was never expected, which the companies are never ready for it, by the way, from a technical perspective or from uh, 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 reshuffling their strategy cards and planning how to continue to stay profitable, to stay efficient, there's a big question mark here. So what are those companies doing today? Are they in a chaotic situation? How the leadership of these organizations is looking into things? Are we still thinking, uh, as I always say, uh, are we thinking a pallet position? Are we thinking uh, a, a rack? Are we thinking, uh, let's say, uh, uh, a five tons uh, shipment going from point A to point B? I don't think this is the situation anymore. Be it the freight industry, be it the last mine industry, for me, it's an end-to-end uh, product and service that I offer to my clients. Because if the first mine, which is the freight or the pickup or the cargo, or the last mine, which is the tech geeky companies like us, we have to be integrated, we have to be more aligned, we have to all be connected and interconnected through the latest technologies. We have to be uh, integrated in a way to provide a seamless customer experience. And when I say customer experience here, allow me to say more of a citizen experience because every person who lives in the country that we serve is a citizen. And giving a citizen experience during crisis, uh, that good taste or flavor, this improves the overall morale of the country, this improves the overall service levels of the country, where we operate in, in parallel with the government directions to make life easier to people. So all those things need to be considered rather than putting only profits before people and seeing how much we're going to do money before we go into the next year. Planning on how really to be resilient and how to really reshuffle, as I told you, our strategy cards so that we can cope with the current uh, industry trends is extremely important. Awesome. Well, thanks thanks for that insight. I, I guess that provides us a segue to my next question, which is really if you were to take a couple of um, key points for senior leaders in the supply chain and the logistics space over the next 12 months to two years, looking forward, um, whether companies have developed their strategy or whether they've been reactive or whether they've been proactive up until this point. Moving forward in 2021, what would be a couple of key areas and, and key factors that you think leaders should have in their mind to drive success, irrespective of whether they're on the the upstream supply chain, downstream supply chain, no matter how close or far away they are from their customer. And of course, customers are all around us all the time. What would a couple of tips from you be in terms of leadership moving forward, things that uh, leaders should keep in mind for successful uh, development moving forward? I have two messages, one for the big players and one for the small players. Big players, I think it's time to remove the corporate ego from our mindsets and uh, go down and deal with customers, all of the customers equally, no matter what's the size of those clients, because today every single dollar or dirham of revenue can make a big difference. 
uh, I think going, uh, stepping down from the traditional ways of doing business is an extremely important thing. I would like to tell big companies to start thinking of and to cascade down maybe uh, more of a transforma transformative uh, mindset to their people so that they can be, as you said, more proactive and coping with what's going to come next. Because I predict that what's going to come next is much more challenging than was what we have faced already. However, I'm not being negative. I'm being very positive in saying a lot of challenges will come. And the beautiful thing here to do is to be ready for those and to prove to everybody that you are capable of overcoming those obstacles. Number one. Number two, uh, customers should be put on the front of everything, uh, everything and compared to anything else in your direction. Today, I think customer experience can play a very big difference, especially in tough times. The way we make clients feel is the way we're going to decide on our destiny for the coming 10 years uh, as, as partners to clients. If we provide the proper customer experience, if all the tools that those companies are investing in between technology, the right people, and the right mindset, these will fall into the customer experience uh, target, which is in front of them, I think they will be doing better. Small companies, I tell them, be aware of uh, spending whatever cash you have uh, in, in, in the non-core business. Today, you see small companies with limited cash reserves spending money left and right on the non-core areas of operation, areas of expansion. My advice to them is hold your cash, spend your money wherever it's supposed to be spent, Focus on your customer experience. Don't play those price wars with other players. And I think you will be there. We have tough times coming, but extremely exciting times. So leadership here is what will make or break any of those organizations. So it's, it's really interesting. I mean, you, you reflect back on sort of conserving of cash and being judicious about uh, where the investment takes place. You've also got a, a fairly strong reputation, uh, certainly in this part of the world, as being uh, an entrepreneur who shares shares your vision. You've been involved in a lot of startups. You've been involved in, in uh, incubators and encouraging entrepreneurs. If I was to ask you to name a, a couple of points in your mind uh, as messages to entrepreneurs coming into the market now, whether it be in the logistics and supply chain field or wherever it might be, um, what, would, what would the lessons be that you would share? What would the hot, hot points be for entrepreneurs looking to get into business uh, wherever it might be in the world? What could you share with us? Yeah, Kim, that's a great question. Uh, you're right. I'm very much involved in, in supporting entrepreneurs between mentorships, uh, between uh, just giving uh, free advice from time to time whenever my time allows and during my personal time, of course. Uh, I've noticed that uh, you have brilliant ideas and brilliant startups which are undercooked, under, under, or being, sorry, cooked, or some of them who are already operational. The thing that they really lack here is, and what I noticed personally, uh, those entrepreneurs are very good in the technical part of business. Most of them are excellent in the product that they sell. Let's say some of them, if it's a technology, those guys are great in the tech. Uh, some others maybe are in the food industry. They, they create, I don't know, a certain type of food product. They're perfect in that. But the question is, how are they scaling up their business? And are they capable of growing their business themselves? Maybe not. They need to bring in those co-founders with them who are strong in the commercial part of the business. 
some others who are strong in the operational part of the business. Because as an entrepreneur today, it's never enough to have a great idea, to have the best funding without having the right team with you. When I say the right team, you have to be handpicking those people who, who are with you. A perfect tech guy who has the best technology solution in the world will never grow if he or she are not able to sell that product to others, if they're not able to convince others about it. So this is where we come in as mentors and help those startups and entrepreneurs in selling their products to our friends and connections and opening doors. But this cannot continue forever. So choose your best co-founders who are very good and whatever you are not good uh, as, as them, number one. Number two, uh, uh, for the logistics and delivery, please, not anybody who thinks that they can have access on a small funding to come and bring in those map and app companies, which I call them. If you are not really experienced in the logistics and in the transportation, it's going to be very tough for you to pick up and compete with the existing players. It's becoming a very crowded market today, extremely crowded. Hundreds of companies are popping up. So you don't want to be another one of those hundreds who will struggle maybe for a couple of years. If you want to open a logistics company, better not to come with a traditional approach. You have to bring in something which is unique, which is not existent in the industry. It can be a tech, it can be a solution. And this is where you can plug in with existing companies and grow together. Don't open a company to come and compete with others. Today, it's not working anymore. Be innovative, be creative, bring in and add on to the logistics uh, uh, space and plug in, and this is where you can fly. Collaboration rather than competition. That's my personal advice. Awesome, yeah, certainly um, very wise words from somebody who's been through the, the tracks and uh, been through the ropes over the years. So uh, appreciate that input and sharing that with our audience today. Um, with all of our guests, I always like to round up uh, by inviting uh, our, our, our guests to speak a little bit about and provide any insights to uh, the way that they look at talent coming into the business, always of interest to me, running a global talent executive search business. And uh, from your perspective, when you're looking to bring people in, especially when you've been going over the years, you've been running organisations that have had extreme growth, um, they've risen quickly, they've had uh, ups and downs along the way. What, what is the, the key elements of talent that you're looking for? What are the characteristics and the people uh, the men and the women that you're looking to bring into your organization. What is it you look for? You would not believe me, Kim, and I will say it. Maybe I'm the only person who will say this ever during such days. Today itself, I see, I see zero, zero challenge in finding the right talent. The market is full of them. You have an incredible amount of talented people. Today, me as Hussein, okay, and keep it in this room between us and the millions of people who are seeing this. <laughs> If today I'm to open my own company in whatever industry, whatever the industry is, I can tell you minimum I can choose 50 people blindly, no matter what the industry is, bring them in, build the best company in the world with such people. So I don't think that there's a challenge in finding the talent today. The challenge is having opportunities and jobs for those people to come in, plug with you, and, and, and really be part of the story. This is from my personal perception. Uh, maybe two or three years back or during the golden days when business was really flourishing with everybody, yes, we had the challenge of finding the right talent because 
companies were competing on attracting those talents. They had a lot of jobs. Jobs are re were really flooding at that time and opportunities. So you really need to make that extra effort to tell that person, come to me, I'll give you more than what others will do. Today, it's different. Uh, a lot of good talents are compromising on their, their, uh, their packages and, you know, all their plans just to join jobs. So for me today, this is the situation. But what I always look for is attitude, uh, the character of those people, because the technical skills, I mean, anybody can learn those technical skills in, in, in a couple of weeks. So character and, 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 and attitude are very important to me. I need to bring in those people who, who are coming in, believing in the organization, believing in the industry, believing in the business, and of course, not coming to have a job. I need people to come and to be part of a family, to grow that family, rather than hit and run John, a job for a couple of years. Awesome. Uh, so look, sage words indeed, and I uh, really appreciate you sharing that with us. And uh, I, I know you've got a fairly busy day. It's still fairly early in the day where you are. So really appreciate taking the time. I hope the audience has gained some insight into uh, your background, your journey, and, and some of the work that you've done and the companies that you've been involved in around the Middle East. Uh, we wish you certainly well. We wish you all the best and you and your team at Fetcher moving forward over the next year. Um, and we look forward to touching base with you maybe later in the year and seeing how that journey's going. Thank you very much, Ken. Thank you for you and your whole team. Pleasure to be with you and be positive. Things are going to be great. <laughs> thanks, Hussain, and thanks everybody for joining us and stay safe out there and uh, have a good day wherever you are. Thanks again. Thank you.